0: John, I'm really excited to do this book review around the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. This is a book you and I both got into, and this was a 25 year ago book. It's not a new one, but there's so much that continues to be relevant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're not gonna go through all 21 laws today, but I highly encourage this to be a primer for someone to go pick it up and read all of them. Which law are you gonna go through first? I've got
0: two in mind. The one I'll start with is law number five, which is the law of E.F. Hutton. And that entire law is when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When the real leader speaks, people listen. And it doesn't matter what someone's role is in the organization. It doesn't matter what their title is. It doesn't matter what their compensation is. When the real leader speaks, people listen, and we could lead from anywhere within the organization. One of the reasons why I brought this up, John, is I have some principles that I try to use to make sure when I'm speaking that I equip people to be able to listen. One of the things I do is I try to practice less is more, believe it or not. I try to not overexpand on things. If you remember another principle that we were taught way back that I now disagree with is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. I actually practiced that. And what I was told by people was, it feels like you think I'm stupid because you're saying the same thing. You're being so repetitive. I got it. I get it earlier than you think I do. So it really took some evolution for me, John, to start practicing less is more. Instead of telling someone how to make a watch, I can tell them, hey, I think we should make a watch. Mm -hmm. That invites someone to say, how do we do that? And it's really almost this fishing effect of almost like putting some bait out to see if you're interested in talking more about it if you have a follow-up question. If you don't have a follow-up question, I'm probably not gonna go that much deeper into it. So that's one thing. The other thing is, if there are 10 people in a room and everybody is weighing into a solution, there are reasons why you'd want to use the law of primacy, which is be the first one to speak. And that's if it's going to go down the wrong road or maybe be really negative and you want to set a positive tone. There are reasons why you want to use the law of recency and be the last one to speak. Because that might be the enduring message that's the final one that's processed by people. But I'd say a solid 60% of the time, you would find me speaking at about the 60% mark. I would speak at number six, maybe number seven. But I think number six is the sweet spot. Because I've been able to hear what the first five people have said, synthesize that and be able to deliver something that includes components of what the previous people said. And it also leaves the next people to build on where I've left things. So uh, that law of EF Hutton, I think, is really important. Many of us as entrepreneurs, we get paid to think and talk or think and communicate, if you want to expand that to being in writing. Our ability to, when we speak, we need to be heard. I can't overemphasize.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something as you mature as an entrepreneur, it changes. I know for sure. I always, I wanted to be the first and the last. I wanted to talk 80% of the time if there's 10 people in the room. And soon you start realizing that your words aren't resonating as much as they should. And to the point you talk about less is more, it's difficult because sometimes you're hearing things and you want to jump in and you want to interject and you want to get there. But I've found specifically in groups that I'm not leading or moderating specifically. You really get to the point of when real leaders speak, people listen. If you're asked by several people in the room, Rich, what do you think? You've been quiet over there. What what is your opinion on this stuff? partly because you didn't over interject and you're, and by the way, you're able to be, to speak with more wisdom too, because you're able to hear a little bit more of what's going on in the room. I think your primacy example is a really good example. If you're trying to set the tone or insert something special before the meeting starts, that's going to directionally drive it. That's important, but otherwise capturing kind of the theme of what's going on in the room, reflecting, thinking, taking notes, showing you're listening, When you do speak, I think the people will listen. And I think that is a true sign of leadership versus the person who's trying to control the mic. So I love that. But it also plays into the law that I was going to talk about, which is the law of trust. And I'm a big, big proponent of Speed of Trust book by Stephen Covey Jr., which is another formula, if we want to stick to formulas, which is trust. If trust is high, then the speed to do things is high and your cost goes down. Now that relates more to efficiency. But I'd say the speed of trust also applies to the law you just talked about, right? If, if When the leader speaks, people listen, which is if you build a level of trust with people that you work with, they're going to want to listen to what you have to say because they know it's genuine. They know you've thought through things. They know that you're doing it out of respect to people. You're not just You don't have a specific agenda you're trying to push through that others don't agree with or move forward. So trust level with people you work with really needs to be a real high trust, honesty, dependability. They know you're going to be there. They know that what you say is going to be respectful and safe. All those kinds of things are very important. And it plays into when other people are talking. How are you listening? <laughs> and displaying that you've heard what they say. It's something that I think, Rich, you do magically. You hear people at a level that sometimes I don't because I'm taking notes and it's hard for me to listen and then at the same time, but your listening skills are so excellent. It displays that trust to people. And I think it's, a, it's at the cornerstone of what's really important for people, especially in an organization, when they're looking up to a leader, is feel that they have that trust. So That's the first one that I want to go through.
0: Trust, I think, is also connected with integrity. If you don't have integrity, you're not going to be trusted. I know you have just some particular mindset and passion around integrity that I'd invite you to share.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it came out. I think it was a John Maxwell book called Integrity that really twisted my thought on what integrity was in a very positive way. I had a, a twisted belief of what integrity was, which was don't lie, cheat, or steal. Do what you say you're going to do. <clears throat> and I used to do this all the time, Rich. We would, have, we would go through our core values, and one of our core values in the company was called integrity. This is after I learned a lot more about it. And I would ask new people joining join the organization, even people that were in the organization sometimes, what does that mean to you? What does that word mean to you? 99% do what you say you're going to do. Don't lie, cheat, steal. That's integrity. And what I learned was the meaning way beyond integrity, which integrity is also the ability to have healthy and effective conflict. As opposed to go to the water cooler and talk about rich behind his back, that's not integrity. But that it wasn't in the lie, cheat, or steal, and it wasn't in the do what you say you're going to do. So there's a whole bunch of other meanings behind the word integrity that builds trust. Also learned the concept of servant leadership, I believe, in that book, Integrity, in terms of being a servant leader to other people's needs and desires helps you earn that trust level, and it displays a ton of integrity. So those are where that came from. That's probably about a decade or so ago that my whole paradigm on Mm -hmm. integrity flipped on its head, and it helped me become a better leader.
0: You reminded me just this last week, I was on site with a leadership team and they were talking about values. And one of the values that they originally had was authenticity. And I said, the values really get traction when we talk about them in a behavioral term. How, what is the expression of authenticity? What does that look like? Because once you can get the values down to a behavioral nature that's observable, then you can interview for it. Then you can do. Uh, Week-to-week, one-on-ones talking about it, touching back to it. And when you were talking about integrity, I thought about this with authenticity. And the thing that the leadership team ended up landing on was what you say doesn't change depending on who's in the room. And I think that there's a connection with authenticity, with integrity that comes back to trust. So just fun how that evolved for us there. The second one I want to talk about is the law of buy-in. And it may seem obvious, but I'm not sure, is people buy into the leader, then the vision. It's in that order. And gosh, it almost threads a line through being trusted and when you're speaking, making sure that you're heard. People need to buy into you before you're going to buy into the vision. And in the book, it even has... What to do, depending on the leader and the vision, and again, there's like an equation to it that has, if people don't buy into the leader, and they don't buy into the vision, get another leader. If people don't buy into the leader, and they buy into the vision, get another leader. If people buy into the leader, and they don't buy into the vision, get another vision. And if they buy into the leader and buy into the vision, get behind the leader. Mm. There are a couple quotes in the book that really resonate for me. People want to go along with people they get along with. And there's something about uh, that doesn't mean being nice. That doesn't mean being a friend. That means working with people in a way that's going to maximize their potential and in a way that we have conversations in business with our arm around the person who we're wanting to lead, not directly in front of them. In other words, the conflict isn't head to head. The leading isn't I'm in front of you, follow me. It is all arm and arm. It is all I am next to you. So when we're having conflict, it's us on one side and the conflict on the other. And we're going against the conflict. When we're leading next to the person, hey, let's go here together. And I think there's really something important about people want to go along with people they get along with.
1: In my opinion, it does draw a thread through all of these first three that we go through as well. And I definitely love that analogy. Way too many people are working in businesses or with leaders they don't quite buy into. For a variety of reasons. I remember being with you in a few instances where we just didn't buy into the leadership. It was it was fake. It wasn't real. And you had a, such a hard time. You yes. specifically, if you're not bought in, you're checked out yeah. to the leader. And it didn't uh, matter
0: the, what the vision was to the yeah. point of this entire law. It didn't matter what the vision was. If it's a wrong leader, I wasn't going to follow.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what leaders need to be thinking about as they listen to this. Are you creating the right environment going back to the trust and the law of and the, the other law that I'm going to go through next, but you create the environment where they do buy in to you as a leader, which is the whole book in general, before you can cast your vision have them buy into the vision. So love that. The last law that I want to go through is the law of the lid. And when we say law of trust, you're like, okay, I get it. When you say law of buy-in, okay, I think I know what that means. But when I say the law of the lid, I love the term on this one. And by the way, it's a little bit of a kudos to everybody listening to this to begin with. You are here for a reason. You're trying to upgrade your leadership skills, which is why you're listening to this or reading books or doing workshops or doing conferences or whatever it may be. But the lid on the jar is basically the analogy, which is, or the lid on the pot plant. You put a lid on the pot plant, the plant's not going to be able to grow. The plant's going to grow up to the lid and that's it. But if you get a bigger pot or there's a higher lid, the the roots will grow. Everything will grow better and faster. So it's almost like speed of the leader, speed of the group. And how can you as a leader upgrade continuously your skill level, your leadership traits, your trust traits, whatever they may be, so your team can grow as well and can grow a lot bigger, stronger, whatever the words may be. So law of the lid is really you know that that growth and leadership ability, the leadership ability determines a person's level of effectiveness, but it also is their teams as well. To me, that kind of throws a thread through all of those as well, which is keep growing, keep improving, keep listening. And I think a lot of the leaders that I've worked with that you've worked with continuously learning. They're on YouTube listening to podcasts, they're on listening to podcasts on their iPhone. they're reading books continuously. It's a continuous journey searching for wisdom on how you can be better. That will help you grow your team so the law of the lid i just thought to myself if we ask
0: somebody hey you want to be a leader in your business and they'd say yeah and they say why should people follow you because leadership quite simply can be defined as someone's following doesn't matter what role you're in someone's if you somebody's following you're leading and why should people follow you? And boy, if we just recap those four principles we just said, that'd be a powerful answer. How about this? Somebody should follow me because when I speak, people listen. Because I can be trusted. Because I work with people in a way that they buy into me and then they buy into my vision. And because I practice continuous improvement. I will not be a lid on this business. I will continue to get better and I encourage others to get better too. Oh my gosh, would that not be an amazing answer to, hey, why should people follow you as a leader? And it just comes straight back to this 21 irrefutable laws of leadership.
1: Yeah, and we picked four. There are 17 more for you to practice the law of the lid and go find out about them because we connected with the two that we both shared but you may connect with others. So go learn and develop, that's what it's all about.